It's a Monday. We have tons to get to here on The Ben Shapiro Show. University of Missouri just imploded over a non-scandal about race. Ben Carson continues to be in the center of the site for the Democratic-led media. Plus, Donald Trump on SNL. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. I tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. Okay, folks. Well, the insane story of the day every day, I have to say, it's a good thing I do this podcast because every day you feel the sort of rage bubbling up inside you if you watch the news. There's no way for the rage not to bubble up inside you watching the news. Last week we found out that men are women, women are men, and young girls in locker rooms should be forced to look at dudes' penises if the guys say that they are, in fact, women. We also learned that Ben Carson is of no account when it comes to truth, when it comes to accusations against him. We'll get into that because we didn't actually have time to explore that last week. We didn't broadcast on Friday. And so we have to go through all the new accusations, which are all false against Dr. Ben Carson. But the story of the day is this insane story that just makes you want to throw up and never stop throwing up out of University of Missouri. University of Missouri, here's what happened. Okay, 30 black football players announced today they would not tackle one another over a piece of leather so long as the white president of the university remained in his job. So they said that they would not play football until the white president of the university was removed. The coach of the team, whose name is Gary Pinkle, he's white. He makes $3.1 million per year in taxpayer funding. At least part of that is taxpayer funding. He joined these black players and said, we have to fight racism on the campus. The president has to go. So what exactly happened to force this president out? The president resigned today. What exactly happened that, that was so egregious that we had to have a hunger strike by one student and students protesting and boycotts and then the football team saying they wouldn't play? Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Okay, so the student body president said in September, the student body president is a black kid, by the way, uh, and this is a university that's 8% black. So clearly there's such racism there that a black student became student body president. The student government president said in September that somebody drove past him and yelled a slur at him. That's it. That's the whole thing. That's what happened. That's the entire thing. And the president got, uh, just, just resigned over this. Okay, the, the, this student body president, student government president was walking along and he says a white guy in the back of a truck yelled at him. That's it. That's the whole thing. Also, apparently, at one point, some crazy student took his poop in a, in a dormitory bathroom and scrawled a swastika on the wall, which isn't even an anti-black thing. Usually it's usually an anti-Jewish thing. I should know. But this is, the, this is the entirety of it. And there's also a, a group of black kids who said that, that one drunk, that one drunk frat boy yelled an ethnic slur at them, but they didn't know his name and he was never disciplined. None of this has to do with the white president of the university. None of it. Zero of this. Okay, this is the entirety of the story. We're not talking about some vast system of racism was, was, was uncovered at the university. We didn't discover a vast bulwark of discrimination happening at this university of thousands and thousands and thousands of students. No, one black guy had a slur allegedly, we still have no proof of this, had a slur allegedly yelled at him and the reason I say allegedly is because we have had cases of people faking this sort of stuff. It happens on campus on a pretty regular basis. Now, what's amazing about this, even assume that it's true. Assume that somebody yelled a bad name at this kid, a kid who was elected by his fellow students to be president of the student government. So clearly there's so much racism there that, it, I mean, it's like Barack Obama claiming that America's racist against him after we elect him twice. This kid gets elected and then he turns around and he says that someone called him a name. The president of the university must go, must go. How much pressure is there? The governor of the state of Missouri comes out in favor of the student protesters. The student protesters surrounded this guy's 
car on October 10th, and they started rocking it back and forth and yelling at him. And when he, like a sane and rational human being, wouldn't get out of the car, they said that this was an, an example of white privilege, in effect. Roy Blunt, who's a Republican senator, Republican senator, came out and said the University of Missouri really handled its business today. And the president of the university released a statement saying that he took full responsibility for the situation. He said, I take full responsibility for this frustration. I take full responsibility for the inaction that occurred. So the president of a major publicly funded university, University of Missouri, has resigned today basically because he's white. That's what, that's what happened. Because he's a leftist, this guy. This guy he's not even like a right winger. It's not even like they forced Antonin Scalia out of his job or something. They forced somebody who's a left-wing white guy out of his job simply because a black kid had a, had a random insult thrown at him by a random guy. Now, let me tell you something, folks. Okay, I wear my yarmulke, as you can see, and I wear it everywhere. And on Sabbath, I'm walking around my neighborhood, and this happens. And at least, I would say at least three or four times in my life, I've been walking to synagogue, and some crazy person has rolled down their window and yelled some anti-Jewish slur. You know what? You know how much different that made to me in my life? It made zero difference to me in my life. Did I call for the mayor of Los Angeles to have to resign? Did I call for the, the city council to investigate? Or did I move on with my life because I'm a sane and normal human being? But we've created such a society that even the subjective feeling that something is bad in society means that you have to lose your job. And white supremacy means, the, the ultimate in white supremacy is that you now get fired for being white. See, we have such a white people, we have such a tremendous advantage in America now that we can be fired simply because of the color of our skin. It's amazing how white privilege works. It's, it's, it's so frustrating and so upset. Here's the list of demands that was put out by the, these students, by the way, all of whom are having their tuition subsidized. And the football players, the football players are the ones who led this. Okay, these football players who have a combined IQ less than that of most vegetables. Okay, the, the football players at major universities don't get in because they're smart. They get in because they're big and they can hit people. Okay, there's not a single major university football player who got in off of academics, certainly academics alone. I mean, it's such a rarity to find a smart football player that Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. He's considered a genius in athletic circles. Okay, Aaron Rodgers scored a 13-10 on his SATs. It's a good score. Okay, I scored a 14-20 on my SATs when I was 14 years old. Okay, let's get over this whole everybody's a genius in sports. Okay, nobody's a genius in sports. They're pretty much all stupid. And if you're relatively smart compared to the other people, then you are Einstein. Aaron Rodgers is Tesla compared to the rest of the people that he's playing with. Okay, the people who are at University of Missouri and are, and are, and are going to, on full scholarship, mind you, they're going there for free on taxpayer dollars. And they are saying they are the victims of white privilege. They're the victims of white privilege. First of all, we all know the only reason half of these football players are going to university in the first place is because the NFL doesn't draft players direct out of high school. The fact is that college football, in, in, all, in its entirety, taxpayer-funded college football should go away, and it should go away immediately. There's no reason that I or you should have to pay money so that a bunch of people can hit each other. If I want to do that, I can buy a subscription to the NFL online, or I can go to an NFL game, but the fact that I'm being taxed so that a bunch of students who couldn't make the cut in terms of academics, can get a full scholarship to hit each other so that a bunch of rich white people can pass money to the university is idiocy. Okay, but here is what was actually demanded. Here's what was actually demanded from the University of Missouri by this, by this group. They called themselves, I think, the Concerned 150 is what they called themselves. They were concerned, deeply concerned, the Concerned 150. So here's, here's what they were concerned about. Quote, We demand that the University of Missouri system president, Tim Wolf writes a handwritten apology 
to the Concerned Student 1950 demonstrators and holds a press conference in the Mizzou Student Center reading the letter. It can't be typed. It must be handwritten. I understand it's very important that it be handwritten. Most of these people can't write in cursive, but sure, it's important that he has to write it handwritten. What is he supposed to apologize for? Well, in the letter and at the press conference, Tim Wolf must acknowledge his white male privilege. He's such a, his white male privilege is such that for the privilege of being white and male, he's now being forced to resign. But his white male privilege, he must acknowledge it. How does it materialize? How does it, how does it, how do, how's it shown? How do we know that he has white male privilege? Well, because he's white and male. And how do we know that black students are victimized? Well, because they're black. Not because there is actual evidence of victimhood. I mean, there is a basic affirmative action program, so I hear, at University of Missouri, which means that there are black people getting in who wouldn't otherwise get in under basic academic standards. The same is true in California. University of California has been routinely violating Prop 209, the anti-affirmative action proposition in the state of California, for my entire lifetime. They've put in place all of these essays that are specifically designed so that you, you, you can't say on your application, I'm black, so I get a few extra points. So you write in your essay about your victimized childhood. So anyway, they say Tim Wolf must acknowledge his white male privilege, recognize that systems of oppression exist. What in the F is that supposed to mean? Recognize that systems of oppression exist? I agree, in Afghanistan. Systems of oppression exist? What kind of stupidity is this? And provide a verbal commitment to fulfilling concerned student 1950 demands. We want Tim Wolf to admit to his gross negligence allowing his driver to hit one of the demonstrators, consenting to the physical violation of bystanders, and lastly, refusing to intervene when the Columbia Police Department used excessive force with demonstrators. Is he a superhero? Was he driving the car? Was he supposed to get out there in his cape and tights and intervene with the Columbia Police Department? By the way, there have been zero lawsuits filed against any of these folks, the driver included, because when you surround a car, you dolts, the car might move. This idea that you have no obligations whatsoever in terms of public safety is insane. If I walk out on the freeway and get hit by a car, yeah, I have the right of way. I'm also a dumbass. Okay, if I surround the university's president with a big group of people, a big throng of people, and the car starts to move, and somebody gets hit in the shin, guess what? That's called life. Okay, that's, that's only demand number one, by the way. Demand number two, we demand the immediate removal of Tim Wolf as UM system president. Okay, so he's supposed to write this letter apologizing and acknowledging his white male privilege, and then they fire him. That's a good incentive structure you've created there, folks. <laughs> it's not even like if you apologize, you get to keep his job. No, he has to handwrite the letter, and then we fire you. After his removal, a new amendment to the University of Missouri system policies must be established to have all future University of Missouri system president and chancellor positions be selected by a collective of students, staff, and faculty of diverse backgrounds. You getting all this? So there are no qualifications. It's a bunch of idiot students who don't know anything, a bunch of faculty who are looking for favors and tenure, and a bunch of staff people, but they have to have diverse backgrounds. By diverse backgrounds, they mean you have to be black. Because if you have a city full of black people, that's diversity. If you have a city full of white people, then that is racism. That's the way that this always works. We demand the University of Missouri meet the Legion of Black Collegians demands that were presented in 1969 for the betterment of the black community. Now, this brings us to a point that I think is worthy of note. And this is, I think, the only point of humor in all of this. Because you can hear, I'm very frustrated with this because we're now creating a society in which the people who are least qualified to run the society are running the society, meaning the people who are most easily offended, the people who believe in institutionalized racism rather than individual responsibility. 
We're now caving to all of these people. What's more, we're not just caving. We are generating new people like this at the university level each and every day. The more offended you are, the more power you have. All of this is offensive and terrible for the country. But here's the part that's a little bit funny, is that all of these people, the Tim Wolfs included, these professors, all these folks, these were the radicals in the 60s. Right? These were the people who took over all the university buildings in the 60s and threw tear gas at the cops and put flowers in the barrel of guns. Right? It was all these idiot hippies who took over the university system and turned it from a place where you were supposed to learn, you know, learn about your culture, learn about Western civilization, learn how to do your job maybe, and turned it into hippie central. And so now their grandchildren are back and they're back for revenge. So there's something sort of ironically delicious in the whole thing as as these people's ideological grandchildren eat them alive. It's kind of funny. Uh, they say that they demand the University of Missouri create and enforce comprehensive racial awareness and inclusion curricula. They say curriculum because they don't know Latin, of course. So they, they use the, the singular curriculum. Throughout all campus departments and units, mandatory for all students, faculty, staff, and administration, the curriculum must be vetted, maintained, and overseen by a board comprised of students, staff, and faculty of color. So now we're going to have Basically, everybody has to learn whatever black people on the faculty want them to learn, but we, the black people can't be like Ben Carson or anything. The black people have to be like Al Sharpton. And this goes on and on and on. I mean, they, they ask for a, a, the, the percentage of black faculty and staff campus-wide must be increased to 10%, no matter the level of achievement. So pure affirmative action in its purest form. They said that they want a 10-year plan to increase retention rates for marginalized students. Yeah, which means that if you, if you suck at, at your studies and you're dropping out, we're supposed to figure out how to retain you, even though we're already helping to pay for your education. It's just, it's over the top and it's insane. But this is the world the left has created. This is the world the left has created. And there are so many issues that are bound up here. The white privilege issue is one that's, that's just, it's frustrating beyond all belief because it's ghost hunting. Okay, when somebody says, examine your white privilege, who's white privilege? The poor white kid in Appalachia? Who's white privilege? The kid who's growing up in the sticks in Texas? I promise you, there are plenty of white people. There are more white people in America on welfare than, than minority people in America on welfare. This idea that skin color is privilege in the United States is explicitly a creation of the left, and it's used to bash other people over the head, including people who are on their own political side, like Tim Wolf. It's also worth noting there is no slight too minor for the left to exploit it into a federal case. Right? No, nothing is too minor. Nothing. Right? You're called a bad name. I've been called bad names since I was a kid. I remember when I was five years old, some kid came up to me on the playground and called me a Christ killer. And you know what? It didn't matter. I remember it happening. Has it affected my life in any way? No, it hasn't. Because guess what? This is called life, folks, and there's going to be conflict and people who call you names. And if you don't grow a thick skin, you're bound to live a pretty miserable life. And these are miserable people. I mean, if you look at the folks who are leading these charges over at U of M, over at Mizzou, these are miserable human beings. And they're never going to be satisfied. There is no satisfaction. The revolution must continue forever and always, generation to generation. And one day, these people who took over the university, they'll be lucky enough that their grandkids, if the country's around long enough, their grandkids will come around and proceed to destroy them and their careers, demanding that they give them whatever is the latest cause of the day. Because the left never stops, ever, 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 ever. As a side point, I do think that it is worth noting here that what actually drove the shutdown what actually created this, this whole thing was the, the football team, which, as I mentioned before, I keep coming back to the football team because I think college athletics is the height of stupidity. Intramural sports are great. They're fun. I played them when I was in law school. Okay, the idea that you're supposed to fund a bunch of morons to bash each other in the skull is beyond me. And the fact that these people are now considered leaders, it demonstrates any institution in American life, 
any and every institution in American life that the left can capture, they will capture. If they can capture Hollywood, they'll capture Hollywood. If they can capture literature, they'll capture literature. And they'll even capture sports. And that's the new one, right? Because sports is kind of the only thing we all share now. It's the, like, the right and the left, we don't agree on where the country should go. We don't agree on what constitutes decency or happiness or family. Basic terminology has been thrown out the window. But at least we can just go to the game and enjoy the game, right? Yeah, not anymore. Not anymore. Now they'll politicize even that. Now we're supposed to sit around and pretend like these kids are heroes when really they're just a bunch of spoiled brats in the sense that they're getting free education, free room and board, and then they'll go on to careers where they get to play a game for presumably millions of dollars. And we're supposed to hear about how the society that created all of this for them is deeply racist and terrible. It's just, it, it is amazing. And it's demonstrative of the fact that the, the narrative in this country has been completely shifted. It's been completely turned over. And part of that narrative is, of course, the mainstream media, which brings us to Ben Carson. Now, Dr. Carson has been under unending assault, unending assault over the last few days. And we'll get to Donald Trump on SNL. But I want to start with, with Ben Carson. Ben Carson, a doctor, is leading in Iowa. He's leading in some polls nationally. He's trailing Trump in other polls nationally. On Friday, we had a big story here over at the Daily Wire uh, about the story at Politico. Politico ran a story in which they said the headline of the piece was Ben Carson admits fabricating West Point scholarship. That was the direct headline of the piece. Now, there's only one problem with it, which is that pretty much every words, all of the words, except for Ben Carson and West Point is not true. Okay, he didn't admit, he didn't fabricate, and there, and there was no scholarship to speak of. So what exactly happened? According to Politico, Ben Carson said that he was admitted to West Point and received a full scholarship but decided not to go. That was a lie. No, it wasn't. What actually happened is Ben Carson, when he was a kid, he was in ROTC. He was in the ROTC, which is the Reserve Officer Training Corps. And he was basically recruited by a bunch of higher-ups at West Point to come. He never applied. They told him, if you come, then you'll go for free. Now, that's true for everybody. But if I were 17 and somebody said, you come here, we'll get you in, and you go for free, I would say that's an offer for, for a full scholarship. That's what that means. And in fact, on all of the advertising for West Point, it says full government scholarship. Right? Full government But no, this is a lie according to Politico. And, and they, they write this vicious piece, trashing Ben Carson. He admits he lied. He admits there's no such thing as a scholarship. He did nothing of the kind, nothing of the sort. And it was a deliberate hit piece, a deliberate hit piece. People were playing this as it was just a botched, it was just a botched piece. No, I've botched pieces before, okay? Everybody does in this business. This was not a botch. This was a deliberate hit piece because the headline was the editorial. Now, I'm an editorial guy, right? I, I write opinion journalism. It's what I do. Okay, this was a Politico objective news story. And this objective news story, nowhere did Ben Carson's team ever admit that he fabricated anything. But they said that he had admitted fabricating all of this because he didn't say that he went to West Point or, or had applied to West Point. So he must have fabricated it. Therefore, he admitted fabricating it. So they, edit, they used their, their own editorial spin as the headline. And then it fell apart on them. And the media still will not let it go. Today on Morning Joe, for example, Joe Scarborough and Nicole Wallace, all of them were saying that Carson has just spit out lie on lie on lie. They just keep lying. They're lying and lying. The Carson people, they're all lying. All right, Rachel Maddow, Rachel Maddow on, on Meet the Press yesterday, she said that Ben Carson is a professional autobiographer and he's a fabulous, he's a liar. Here is Rachel Maddow. And, uh, and notice Rachel Maddow and Chris Hayes are never in the same room at the same time. I mean, he's sort of a, he, obviously he's a very distinguished retired surgeon. Since retiring as a surgeon, he's basically a professional autobiographer. 
and uh, that's what he does. He sells and sells and sells and sells his autobiography. There are a lot of things, the most dramatic things in his autobiography, all of which are uh, favorable to him, all of which have helped sell himself as this amazing person who ought to be president, be corroborated, including the factual statement that you can get a full scholarship at West Point. It doesn't even work that way. Okay. First of all, again, this is a lie that she's continuing to trot out, that he had, that he had exaggerated the full scholarship offer to West Point, which is just, it's insane how, how nitpicky they're going to get. This isn't even a matter of nitpicking. This is a matter of deliberately misinterpreting in order to go after Ben Carson. First of all, for Rachel Maddow to suggest that, that Ben Carson is a professional autobiographer, Barack Obama wrote two autobiographies before the age of 45. He wrote two of them before he was 45 years old. Professional autobiographer Hillary Clinton has written, let's see, she wrote It Takes a Village, and then she wrote My Life, and then she wrote Living History, right? I think she's got three autobiographies at this point, two or three. So uh, when you're in politics, you write autobiographies, but the, the idea that he's a professional autobiographer, all of this is meant to diminish Ben Carson as a human being. It's meant to make him look weird and crazy and stupid. There was a story today from the New York Post that Ben Carson has a picture in his house. It's a painting that he hasn't explained where it came from, but he didn't paint it himself. Presumably someone gave it to him. Uh, it's a picture of him sitting there. It's like a portrait of him and Jesus standing behind him with the hand on the shoulder. Now, I'm not a Christian. This is not my cup of tea. They're, you guys are Christians. Uh, is this like a big deal? Is this supposed to be, is this like a super weird thing? It's a little weird, maybe? Okay, okay, so it's like, okay, it's a little weird, but one of the things that you find out in these, in these campaigns is that everyone has weird, right? Everyone is weird. Everyone has a weird thing, right? So Mitt Romney, who is the most uber-normal person who ever lived. I mean, Mitt Romney is as vanilla, uh, he is as, as, as vanilla and dull as it is possible for a human being to be. Mitt Romney was turned into the guy who straps dogs to the top of his cars and forcibly cuts gay kids' hair in the 1950s, right? Everyone is weird. Mitt Romney's the guy who wears the funny Mormon underwear and all this nonsense, right? He, he's, it's, it, he's, he's weird, right? Ben Carson is weird. That's the goal here. And, and the goal here is to, is to make him weird. And one of the reasons I'm frustrated with Donald Trump is because Trump is doing the same thing. Trump, who's just an opportunist, that's all he is. He's an opportunist of the, of the, of the most efficient sort. Anytime there's a, a line that goes out about one of his opponents... Donald Trump will repeat it, regardless of whether it is true or not. Uh, over the weekend, he was saying there's something strange about Ben Carson's biography and autobiography. Donald Trump should talk. I mean, seriously. But here's Donald Trump going after Ben Carson. Well, look, I hope it all works out for him. It's a strange situation, though, when you talk about hitting your mother in the head with a hammer and hitting your friend in the face with a lock, with a padlock, and when you talk about stabbing somebody, but the knife saved him, when you know, uh, you know, of the... The belt buckle saved him. I mean, it's a weird deal going on, and I hope it all works out because I don't want to see Ben have problems over this stuff. And, you know, it's a very strange situation. I guess a book was written. I don't know where this all came from, but a book was written before he ran for politics. Uh, but he said he has pathological disease in the book. When you have pathological disease, that's a very serious problem because that's not something that's cured. Okay, enough of this. That's, this is uh, just a, he's... he's, he's... There's some stuff that's good about Trump, and there's some stuff that's bad about Trump. This is Trump at his worst. This really is. This is Trump at his worst. And this is not because I'm a Ben Carson voter or anything like this, but I don't like unfair attacks. I don't like attacks that are opportunistic. I don't like Donald Trump providing to George Stephanopoulos just what he wants. George Stephanopoulos, the former Hillary Clinton staffer, sitting there as an objective journalist listening to Donald Trump trot out all of this nonsense. And this is what the media do. This is what the media do. Right? Well, the Washington Post, there's a guy named Michael Ignatius who writes for the Washington Post, 
and uh, and he was on one of the Sunday shows over the weekend, and he says, you know, the big problem with Ben Carson, it's not even that he's a liar, it's that he's a whiner. No one wants a whiner for president. Here's Michael Ignatius from the Washington Post talking about this. The Republican debate may have been a disaster for the for the media asking the questions, but I didn't think the Republican candidates came out of very well, and and all of the squabbling, unfair. The media is so mean. They're they're asking nasty questions. I think that makes uh, the Republican candidates it diminishes them, and uh, if they stay on that, it may work with some Republican primary base voters. But I can't imagine that it's going to be effective. With, with the electorate as a whole, that people are looking for someone who can be commander-in-chief. And that's not the person who whines about media coverage. Okay, let me explain something to you right now, Michael Ignatius. Go to hell. That's the entire explanation, seriously. Because if this is, if this is the take now, that you guys get to lie about anybody that you choose to lie about, you get to make crap up. Just make it up. Wholesale, out of whole cloth. You just get to make it up and spit it out there. And the person who handles it the best is supposed to be president? That puts you in the driver's seat, of course. Right? The media, that, then it just means that the candidate who's best at answering the question, when did you last rape your wife? Right? That, that candidate is going to be president of the United States. Right? That, because if the media just gets to ask whatever questions it wants and it's up to the candidate to just deal with it, it's up to the candidate to deal with the questions asked by the media, then we don't have an honest political process at all. And this is why I truly believe that the candidacy of Ben Carson could be significantly more important, a lot more important than the 2016 campaign. I would rather lose the 2016 presidential election and destroy the media than win the 2016 presidential election and leave them standing. The media control everything, every narrative, everything that you see, everything that you hear. Okay, when it comes to these sorts of narratives, there's no question that the media are the ones defining it. In the University of Missouri case, just to give a, a quick example, University of Missouri case. What you're hearing today is that black students stood up against racism at the university and the president stepped down because he hadn't done enough admitting culpability. You won't hear that nothing happened there, that what happened there was minor and random. You won't hear that this was a bunch of bullies getting away with it. No, what you'll hear is that this was a story of racial triumph. And it was the same way about Ferguson, Missouri, where if you ask most Americans, was the cop at fault in any way, most Americans would probably say, yeah, there's probably some fault for the cop. In Baltimore, where a, a trumped-up case has been brought against all of these officers, if you ask most Americans right now what happened in Baltimore, they would tell you that the cops must have done something wrong to that poor guy, Freddie Gray, in the back of the truck. If you ask most Americans, did the cops murder Eric Garner in New York, they would tell you yes. The narrative is what the, is what the media tell you the narrative is over and over and over. And so this is why I spend so much of my life trying to debunk these media narratives. And good for Ben Carson, because Carson isn't just coming back. In the, uh, there are people on the right today, and this annoys, really annoys me a lot. People on the right today saying, yes, this political attack on Ben Carson was wrong and faulty and factually erroneous, but, but it shows that Ben Carson isn't good at this. I wasn't aware that, that being good at repelling lies was the number one qualification of the president of the United States. I always thought that it was the job of the media not to lie. But I guess that's just naive. And this is what I love about Carson. Carson, instead of coming out and saying, okay, now I'm going to give you all the details like Romney would have, all the details of my past, everything you want to know. I'm an open book. Instead, Carson is hitting back. And this is great. He should be hitting back. Ben Carson on Friday called a press conference. He did tweet out our piece from the Daily Wire, uh, did Dr. Carson. And, uh, and he held a press conference, and he blasted the media as well he should. He said, 
you know, you guys are coming after me. I don't remember you going after President Obama this way because he's on the left. Here's Dr. Carson. I do not remember this level of scrutiny for one President Barack Obama when he was running. In fact, I remember just the opposite. I remember people just, oh, well, we won't really talk about that. We won't talk about that relationship. Well, Frank Marshall Davis, well, we don't want to talk about that. Bernadine Dorn, Bill Ayers, well, you know, he didn't really know him. You know, all the things that Jeremiah Wright was saying, eh, not a big problem. Goes to, to Occidental College, doesn't do all that well, and somehow ends up at Columbia University. Well, I don't know. His records are still. Why is his record still? Why are you guys not interested in why his records are still? Why are you not interested in that? Let me ask that. Can somebody tell me why? Why please? do you think they are? I'm asking you why they're why they're still. Why? But, but, no, 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 don't, I don't change it. I'm asking you, will someone, will someone tell me, please, why you have not investigated that? I want to know. Why are you raising Why? Because I want to know. You should want to know, too. The president of Wait a minute. Hold on one minute. One second here. Now, you're saying that something that happened with the words a scholarship was offered is a big deal, but the President of the United States, his academic records being sealed is not. Tell me, wait a minute, tell me how, tell me how, there, tell me how there's equivalency there. It doesn't matter where it is. Tell me how, that is a silly argument. Tell, tell me how there's equivalence there. Tell me how there is equivalence there. Tell me somebody, please. Because you see, what you're not going to find with me is somebody who's just going to sit back and let you be completely unfair without letting the American people know what's going on. And the American people are waking up to your game. That is phenomenal. And that's what every candidate should be doing. Every single Republican candidate should be doing what Ben Carson just did. Every one of them. That is the war that needs to be fought. Because here's the thing. You can elect a Republican president, maybe, although we haven't really elected a Republican president by popular vote except for 2004, since 1992. Okay, it's now been, it'll be 24 years and Republicans have won one popular election on the presidential cycle in the last seven. Okay, and, that, and that's supposed to be enough for us. This is supposed to be evidence that the media is unbiased. Okay, if you have a Republican president even, and the media are all to the left, playing this game, destroying Republican narratives and, and true narratives, forget Republican, true narratives, in favor of pushing bull, then it's not going to matter. President Bush moved to the left in his second term because he could not get his narrative out. The American people still think there were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, despite the fact the New York Times reported last year that there were, in fact, chemical weapons in Iraq. And that it damaged American troops there, members of the CIA. All of this, the narrative is always what the left says it is. So if this, if this election becomes about nothing but destroying the media, I am fine with that. I am fine with that. And Ben Carson doing what he did right there is so great. It's so wonderful. And you can hear what's amazing about that clip. Seriously, what's amazing is not even Carson. What's amazing is the members of the media. The members that he says to them, why aren't you guys interested in the college records? And they say, well, what do the college records matter? What do you think is in them? What, the, what in the hell are you talking about? He's asking you why you're not interested, and your answer is, I'm not interested? Right, that's his point, you idiots. He's saying you're not interested, and you go, well, why are you interested? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because that's your job. Ben Carson, they'll dig up. They'll dig up. Okay, perfect case in point. 
Ben Carson, right? He's recruited by West Point, and he wasn't offered a scholarship because there's no such thing as a full scholarship, and he never applied. Ooh, hoo, 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 big story. Let all the network news on Friday night. Huge story, just ginormous story. In 1975, Hillary Clinton moves to Arkansas to marry Bill. She then says, multiple times over the course of her career, she tried to join the Marines. Hillary Clinton claimed this. Hillary Clinton claimed that just months before she married Bill Clinton, after moving to Arkansas to marry him, she tried to join the Marines. And she said she was rejected because her Marine, her Marine recruiter was a sexist. Has anyone ever tried to dig that up? Even Marine Dowd, who's a leftist in 1994, reporting this said, there's no way this is true. Hillary Clinton said publicly that she landed under sniper fire in Bosnia in 1996. She landed on the tarmac in Bosnia with her daughter and was greeted by a bunch of children who handed her flowers. Nothing. Ben Carson's weird because he got a picture with him and Jesus in his house. Hillary Clinton held seances in the White House with the head of something called the Foundation for Mind Research, reported by Bob Woodward in his book and confirmed by Bill Clinton, who says that Hillary Clinton communes with Eleanor Roosevelt, communes with her, has conversations with the dead former first lady. By the way, little capstone on that particular story, Hillary Clinton was asked by the head of the Foundation for Mind Research, would you like to have a conversation with Jesus? You know, would you like to like commune with Jesus, do a seance where you talk to Jesus? She said, no, that'd be weird. Seriously. <laughs> so talking with Eleanor Roosevelt, that was cool, but, but hanging out with Jesus, that, that's where she really drew the line. This is the same media that have said that George W. Bush was crazy, crazy, because he said he used to talk with God. Just like every person who has ever prayed in the history of humanity feels that they have talked to God. Right? This is the media that we're fighting. And it's this media that's pushing us ever further to the left. The radicals replace the radicals in the media. The radicals replace the radicals in the universities. They infect every institution they can get their grubby hands on. And what we're watching right now, the real battle, the battle underneath the battle. This is not a battle between Ben Carson and Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump and Ben Carson or any of the rest of this. This is a battle of the truth against the gatekeepers for the left. And the gatekeepers for the left are the same people who are attacking Ben Carson. They're the same people who are attacking Donald Trump. I mean, on, on SNL, we didn't have a chance to get to this today, but on, on Saturday Night Live, Larry David stood up and called Donald Trump a racist because he'd been told to do so and he did it as a joke, but this is the idea is that Donald Trump is a racist. I, I saw a clip today of Jimmy Kimmel doing a routine with Hillary Clinton where he goes and asks four school children why it's important for a, do they think it's important for a woman to be president? And they're answering, and then Hillary walks in to explain to them why it's important for a woman to be president. These are the people who are running your narrative. These are the people who are telling you what's important and what's not. These are the people who lie about what happens in girls' locker rooms and lie about what happens at University of Missouri and lie about what happens in riot-torn areas of the United States. Is it any wonder Republicans have a tough time winning in the face of this sort of not willful indifference, malicious indifference, but then when it comes to Republicans, out comes the hatchet? Ben Carson... I may not vote for him for president, but this is a man with presidential steel in his spine if he is willing to take on the worst, most nefarious force in the country, and that is the mainstream media who are hell-bent, hell-bent on destroying the country, transforming it in Barack Obama's direction, and they will blind you to all of the facts if they can get away with it. That's why it's so important. All of the Republicans should be taking a lesson from Ben Carson and Ted Cruz in the last debate because the real battle is against these Praetorian guards for the left. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free 
should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 